Welcome to my first Harvest podcast, and uh, this is your host, Mario Chicas. And today I have Mr. Frank Madero with us. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. So um, let's kick right into this. I, I understand you were in Unit 21 today. What were you doing up there? Yeah, we uh, set up a couple of cameras on a couple of water holes. I went up to go check those, and I sat for a little bit with my bow just to see if anything came in. Uh, Nothing came in, but but that's okay. It's just nice to get out and spend some time outdoors and and just relax and get away from all this craziness. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll stay away from that craziness for yeah, now, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So for you, so those that may not know, so Arizona has an over-the-counter um, deer tag right now. So I believe it's it's either whitetail or mule, right? It is, yeah. In 21, uh, it opened January 1st, and it goes all the way through the end of the month. And it's a fun time because the, the deer typically are rutting uh, during this time of year. And um, find the right spot, and you can you can get them. It just takes a lot of work, as you know, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and tell everybody where Unit 21 is, so that kind of in-between where. Yeah, so 21 is literally right in the smack-dab middle of the state. So it, it's bordered by I-17. On the west, on the east, it's bordered basically by the Verde River. It goes all the way up to uh, roughly Camp Verde, and the southern end is uh, on the northern fringes of Cave Creek and Scottsdale. So it, it's a huge unit, and it's real popular because it's so close to the valley. Yeah, so that's part of the issue, right? And I was, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to say, so it's a great unit. It's huge. And what's crazy is there's some there's some big bucks in there, you know? And but to yeah. your point, everybody knows and everybody goes there because it's what an hour from yeah. you know center of Phoenix. Yeah, literally um, from where my house sits, if I walk 500 yards to my east, I'm literally in Unit 21. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, and and the thing is with this unit, um, it's very hard, very rugged, very steep, very thick, and because of all the the traffic on the main roads you really have to get away from the road or from the main roads to uh, to really see deer i mean it's it's a very busy unit for sure yeah oh absolutely lots of roads so well that's cool man did you get your cameras i did yeah um not a whole lot on them just a couple of small spikes not not much to speak of unfortunately but that's okay yeah well see if you can't into something but yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where where'd you grow up? Um, were you born in Arizona? I don't know that anybody is anymore. Um, right. I, I was, actually. I was born in Tucson, um, and I grew up there. Spent, uh, gosh, my first, let's see, 20, 26, 27 years in Tucson. Moved to Phoenix for a couple of years. Then we moved away uh, to Oklahoma for six years. That's when I really... Uh, Got to to hunt some different areas. We'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure. And then uh, been back now for about four years, and we're we're glad to be back. This is home, always will be. Yeah. Um, but certainly enjoyed my time in Oklahoma. Yeah. Did you do any? Did you start to do any hunting when you were in Tucson? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I I didn't get into hunting until I was about 23. I'm I'm 40 now, and I got into hunting. Um, my father-in-law actually got me into it he actually invited me out to watch him go on a deer hunt and i tagged the launch to see what it was all about and 
first day in camp, he literally uh, handed me a shotgun, and I'd never held a gun before in my life. <laughs> it literally, it's a, sing, it's a single break-open uh, breech shotgun. And he, he basically said, here, just shoot at that bush. And I shot, and it was so much fun, just that whole weekend, spending time with him, seeing what the hunt is like, seeing some, some different terrain. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, being kind of a city dweller myself, never forget uh, going into Unit 30B for the first time and just seeing the, the landscape and being out. Uh, such a pretty area. I was hooked, hooked instantly. And uh, it's been my obsession for the last 17 years. Yeah. What time of, uh, do you remember what time of year that was in, in Tucson? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was probably the, it was either the, the first ton or the second hunt. So it was either late October, early November. Yeah, and the reason I ask is because, you know, that, that like you said, that scenery down there is beautiful. You know, your sunsets, your sunrises, and yeah. if you have some, some cloud cover, I mean, it just adds a whole nother element to the way that those ridges and those mountains look down there. So I can absolutely see how you would have been hooked from a weekend like that down in that area. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's cost me a lot of money. <laughs> over the years so it's, it was a very expensive trip now that i look back on it but that's yeah. okay it's been a lot of fun well cool well let's let's get into your first harvest here so um where was uh where did you get drawn and um what did you get drawn for yeah so um kind of an interesting story i didn't kill my first deer until i got to oklahoma and in oklahoma um it's completely different. So everything's over the counter. You can buy a deer tag for $20. Oh, you can wow. kill two bucks in a year. You can kill, I think, it's either four or six does in a year. The The flip side of that is, uh, if I had to guess, probably 95% of the state is uh, private land. So unless wow. you know somebody or you have leased land, you have to find little pockets of public land and hunt it. And, and that's what I did. I went to a place called uh, Lake Hula uh, up near the Kansas border and um, beautiful area, completely different to what we're used to seeing out here. Um, but I was able to, to kill a deer in that unit in 2013. So it took me from that first hunt in 2003 to then it took me 10 years to kill a deer. And it was very frustrating. Dude. But, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can I I know the feeling can't imagine. Um, now when you so you just went and got an over the counter tag is that what you did? Did yeah yeah. Yep. So tell me about um, so the actual day. Like how many days were yeah. you out there? Yeah, I was out there. Uh, this is the week before Thanksgiving, so mid November. Um, went out and set up camp on a Thursday. Hunted Friday Saturday. And killed my deer on a Sunday, um, and then I packed up and came back that that following Monday. So, um, and what kind of hunter are you? Are you a tree stand hunter? Are you, you know, spot and stock? Are you, are you love to glass or, you know, what? Yeah, so it's funny. It, it's it's changed over the years. You know, back then, and I still don't know if if I'm doing it right. But back then, I, I really wasn't doing it right. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, part of the the reason it took me so long. I think to, to even see deer or, or get a feel for, for hunting is that I wasn't glassing using a tripod, you know, in Arizona, going back to, to Arizona for a minute, I, I, as I'm sure, you know, and, and the listeners know, it's so crucial to have 
the best optics you can afford, but more importantly, to be glassing off of a tripod. And yeah. I, I would glass literally with with cheap Nikon 10 by 42s that I thought were awesome. And, and they were awesome. That They were what I could afford, but I was just using, you know, just using my hands trying to do it that way. And it's just so hard to do that. Yeah. And out there in Oklahoma, um, it it's rolling country. It, it's a lot of oak, uh, a lot of tall grass. And um, it's not so much set up for like 15s or for a tripod, mm -hmm. but um, you still need to be aware of, just like you are here in Arizona, the, the patterns of the animal, you know, where are they getting water? What are they feeding on? What time of day? And, and when we get into it, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I got lucky. Um, so that, that morning, um, there are some other campers nearby and I, you know, visited with them over the, the course of the hunt. And, uh, one of the gentlemen, his name is Richard Sorrell. I'll never forget this guy. He said, you know what, Frank, um, tell you what you hunt with me today. Um, we're going to go to this spot that I've had some luck with. It's about a two mile hike. And I'm going to go, uh, north of you about half a mile. You go here and sit on this rock and we'll see what happens. So uh, that's exactly uh, how, what I did. how many is in your group, Frank? I was by myself. These are just some, some random guys that happened to be there that I got friendly with and talked with. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so he goes up half a mile up and you come down. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting there on this rock and, and I'm overlooking, um, it's hard to describe, but it's kind of like a boggy area, and then there's a berm, and then on the other side there's a uh, a lake, part of the lake. Um, I'm sitting there, and I hear a gunshot go off uh, in the direction of where Richard was. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Maybe you know, maybe he shot a deer. Um, so I'm sitting there. About, I don't know, maybe five minutes go by, and I hear some movement behind me. So I turn around, and I see this doe just kind of trotting over towards this little marshy area and no more than maybe 40 yards behind her. Um, there's a buck, you know, from what I could tell a pretty decent buck, uh, four by four, you know, to be fairly mature. Um, and I'm shaking. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. I've got this 30 out six Ruger, uh, probably a, a $50, um, scope on it. I mean, Anyway, I'm shaking, and uh, I get the deer in my sights. He's at 40 yards. I kid you not. 40 oh yards, standing broadside, gosh. staring at me. Yeah, 40 yards. And I pull the trigger, and nothing happens. And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> of course. So, obviously, I look down, and I didn't throw my safety off. Throw the safety off. He's still standing there. And I just, I just get him in the crosshairs, and I pull that trigger, and the gun goes off. I don't know what happens. I look up. I see him running off and, you know, I'd never shot a deer before. Hell, I'd only seen a couple bucks in my life at that point. I'm thinking, well, he ran off. I mean, if I would have hit him, he would have just fallen over. So obviously I missed. Right. Because every, so every, I mean, in every YouTube video, every deer just falls right there. Right. right? And they don't go exactly. anywhere. And you just have to walk right up to it and take care of it. Exactly. So I'm, <laughs> I'm distraught. You know, I'm thinking, Man, I, I blew it. Like, this is a chip shot. It's not going to get any easier than this. And uh, so I wait a little bit. You know, I, I knew enough to, to know you're supposed to wait for at least, you know, half an hour. Sure. And so um, I go over to where he was standing. I don't see any blood at all. 
and you have to remember that the grass is, gosh, it, you know, it's at least three feet tall. I mean, it's, it's certainly tall enough to, to hide a deer. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to find blood and retrace where I think I saw him go. And I'm not seeing anything. And I go probably, I don't know, four or 500 yards. And uh, I run into Richard. He started walking over my way. And he says, uh, hey, uh, I got one down up here, but I also heard you shoot. Did you get one? I said, well, I don't know. He's like, well, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, well, he didn't fall over. I shot. He was point blank, but he didn't fall over. So he's like, all right, let's go look to where he shot and see if we can find him. So we start going back, and he's, he's walking in front of me. And, you know, we're three or 400 yards into our, our trek back, and he just stops dead in his tracks. And I stop, and I'm a couple feet behind him. And he goes, um, hey, Frank, come here. And so I go over, and, I, and he goes, look over there. And I look over his shoulder, and there's my deer just laying dead in this tall grass over this little crest like 20 feet in front of him. And I, I, I don't need, like, I, I probably blacked out. I was so excited, so happy, just so emotional. Um, and I, I ran up to the deer and, you know, sure, shoot. He, uh, he was dead. Nice, nice, uh, little four by four. And then the work started. We had a, a two mile hike back to yeah. drag two deer out. And that, these whitetail in Oklahoma, they're big deer. This deer probably weighed 200 pounds. I'm not kidding you. Oh, man. It's a big deer. Dude, big that is big. Deer. Yeah. 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 Um, so let me let me take you back, Frank, to, you know, what, so it was 10 years, you said, right, from the time that you started hunting to your first yeah. big harvest kill. Um, yeah. That emotion. Actually, so let, me, let, me do, let me do the math here. So Go 2003, ahead. I actually shot that deer in 2013. Yeah, 2013. So yeah, 10 years. 10 years. So that, that culmination, you know, that moment of pulling that trigger, and then you have the, you know, the, talk to me about, you know, kind of what you're thinking as you're looking for this buck, you know, you're like, man, this thing didn't drop, you know, it's like the, the highs and lows that you hear from hunters, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you're, can you, do you remember that? Can you recall that? Oh yeah. I, I mean, um, yes, I can. And it's, you know, the first thing that ran through my mind was, well, if he didn't drop and he just ran off, maybe it was a clean miss, and that's what I can hope for because I'm not seeing any blood. So that mm. I was hopeful that I, it was just a clean miss. But then you start thinking, God, man, how do you how do you miss that shot? You got your rifle zeroed in. You practice out to a couple hundred yards. Like, how do you miss that? Right, you 40 start, yards. You start doubting yourself. You start doubting your abilities. You start, you start doubting the the time investment. I think that's really what it comes down to. When you think about us as hunters, the amount of time that we spend trying to perfect this craft away from our families, away from being able to do other things. I mean, it's the most valuable resource that we have. And mm -hmm. to think that in a moment, if you don't have, um, everything, uh, dialed in like you're supposed to, it could all be for naught. And that's what I was worried about is that this was just going to be another big waste of time. And, um, the sense of relief when we found that buck, uh, not to mention that it was my first, uh, my first buck. Uh, it was, it's hard to describe. I mean, um, you know, for the listeners out there, uh, that have harvested deer or big game or whatever, um, it's very similar to what they felt. Just the, the elation, the sense of relief, uh, and also, you know, 
um, that was the second big game animal I'd killed in my life. There was a sense of remorse, obviously. Um, you know, it, very appreciative of what that deer uh, brought me in terms of food, but then also just in terms of confidence to know that, um, you know, sometimes things do pan out if you if you try hard and you, and you plan properly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's good advice, too, because, you know, there's so many different stories that you hear about guys continuing just to put in just to get a tag, you know, let alone yeah. even have a shot to to kill something. Um, so you were starting to talk about, you know, that the work began once you actually found the oh buck. And then you're getting two yeah. miles in, you know, um, talk about that a little bit. And so... Well, I, I learned that I was really out of shape. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, in Oklahoma, I don't know that we do it so much out here because, you know, especially with coos deer, I mean, you could throw those things on your back almost. But with these deer out there, uh, you know, a lot of guys use these game carts, and I happen to have one. So um, I didn't bring it with me to the deer, obviously, when I shot it. So and you said game, is, is it a game cart, you said? Yeah, it's it's like a it's hard to describe it's almost like a uh like a dolly almost uh, they sell them at bass pro and stuff in the midwest it's just it's got two big old wheels and it's got a, a bed on it and it, it's made out of uh probably aluminum i guess but um you just kind of it's got some straps on it and you throw the gear on there and you drag it out dude that's and, so uh, funny yeah it's completely different so i had to go back two miles cross a couple of creeks, back to the uh, vehicle, get the game cart, go two miles back to the deer, <laughs> um, gut it, you know, process it the best we could, strap it onto that, that cart, and then drag it back to, uh, to the vehicle. Along with that, um, you have to remember, Richard had also killed his deer, and it was about five 600 yards away. We basically, I don't know how he did this. He dragged his deer by the horn, by the antler, oh, man. Uh, to my deer. And then we kind of jerry-rigged it. So we strapped both deer on this cart. And we took turns hauling, hauling these two dead deer back. And uh, it was the most grueling thing I've ever done. And I know it sounds cheesy and corny, but it literally, I, you know, well, it After just, we got it, we're probably dragging 300 pounds back to the truck. Right, well, it, and it seems like it would be so much more cumbersome. I mean, when you're out there, everything is uneven. You're hitting rocks. Oh, you're, you, I mean, you're slipping yeah. everywhere. And like, and then in the tall grass, I'm assuming you're kicking rocks, you know, because you can't see the dang things. Yes. And then you're dragging 300 pounds of deer. I mean, that sounds more difficult to me than actually, you know, gutting and, you know, quartering oh, yeah. the thing out and shoving it in a backpack. You know. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and not to mention, I think um, the night before, I think the low was like 11. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mention that part. So I no. think maybe the high that day, the high that day couldn't have been more than maybe 35. I mean, this is, um, you know, Oklahoma is known, known for really bad weather. And this was just a cold snap. And uh I mean, it was good for, for the deer, me not spoiling. I didn't have to worry about that. But, I mean, just add that layer of, of uh, you know, not wanting to get all sweaty and go hypothermic. That's always a concern, right? Um, yeah. It was hard. It was really hard. Um, and we had to cross a couple of, of uh, points in the creek, uphills, downhill. It was just, 
<laughs> it was hard. Do you, do you remember uh, from the time you you shot your buck to the time you got to your truck, how many hours had passed? It took all day. So I shot the deer. Uh, it had only been first light for maybe half an hour. So we shot the deer, you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. I didn't get back to the, the vehicle until dark. Literally, it, it was 6, 7 o'clock. It took all day. It took all day. Dude. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because um, I, you know, I, I'm pretty active on social media. And I complain a lot about how rugged it is out here just because it, it beats me up. But all the hikes that I've done, and I've been lucky to kill a couple deers this year. Um, nothing that I've done out here compares to that that day. Just the calories burned, the mileage. It was awful, but super rewarding at the same time. Yeah, isn't that funny how that mixes in? It's like the worst day possible to kill a deer, yeah. but the best time. <laughs> it was just the yeah. fine timing. Yeah. Well, and the worst part is when we got back to the, the vehicle, I parked right at the end of the edge of the boundary for the, uh, the lake park, whatever you want to call it. There's a barbed wire fence. So we had to figure out a way to kind of (laughs) Jimmy the deer under the barbed wire fence. It's a big body deer, both of them. It just, I mean, add injury to insult. That was just one last little jab, I guess, from mother nature. Yeah. Yeah. Just one last Um, last thing. Let me ask you this. So I'm just to clarify. So, and because I'm kind of ignorant to what's out there in Oklahoma, so was it mule deer or white tail out there? It's white tail. White yeah. tail. So it's funny. So um, primarily white tail. If you get out to the western edge, kind of in the Panhandle, you'll get a few mule deer. I've never hunted them out there. I just know that they're out there. And then, um, I mean, the amount of deer out there it's ridiculous. Driving in, I'll never forget this. Uh, this was 20, 2010, um, driving through a place called Sire, Oklahoma, in the southwest corner on I-40, across the Oklahoma border. And I just start seeing all these dead deer on the side of the road. This is in November, during the rut. I, I, in a probably a five-mile stretch, I'm, I kid you not, I probably counted 40 dead deer on the side of the road. Wow. And, and so I say that because the deer numbers are completely different than they are out here. I mean, you'd see deer every day driving down the roads, out hunting. doesn't matter. You'd see deer all the time. You know, out here, um, you know, I went out today. I didn't see a single deer. Um, there, are, there are several, uh, been several times where I'll, I'll go days without seeing a deer out here. Yeah, and, and I'm glassing and, and doing all the right things. It's just the numbers are completely different. And it's not uncommon, you know. Like you, you, you bring an east, uh, east of the country hunter out here, and they don't see a deer. And they're like, dude, these guys suck. These guys aren't very yeah, good. Exactly. It's like, no, it's actually not uncommon. <laughs> you know, I exactly. I joke with a buddy of mine, you know, he'll, when he knows that I'm out there, he'll be like, you see anything? And I'll be like, nah, I saw nothing today. They're right there, bro. They're right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I know they're here. <laughs> I just can't see the yeah. dang thing. Yep. So, dude, that's funny, yeah. man. So you get them back to your truck, get them all, yep. get them all fixed up and everything. And um, do you remember the first thing you made with the, that meat? Uh, I do. Um, I uh, So my grandmother's passed down a, a stew recipe. Uh, she's no longer with us, but she's, she cooked stew for us growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And so I used that recipe, but I substituted the beef with the, uh, the stew cuts from the deer and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And so I would do that. I would do, you know, a lot of deer burgers and stuff and pot roasts and, and, you know, just normal stuff. But that was the first thing I did. I wanted to try that recipe with the stew. Yeah. That's cool, man. It's another little cool little tidbit there of having grandma's recipe in there. So that's, that's awesome. So yeah, it was uh, it was cool. Good. Well, I know that we're running a little short here on time, but I want to get through a couple of these things and kind of some firsts here. So, do you remember your first yeah. buying? Kind of rapid fire, but you can you know go a little bit more than just one word or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so, kind of rapid fire. Your first binos. Uh, yeah, Nikon Monarch threes, ten by forty twos, and I had those for probably five or six years at least. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, are you a bow hunter? I am now. I wasn't for a long time, but the last uh, couple of years I've gotten really into it. So, yes, I yeah. enjoy it a lot. What's your first bow? Uh, it's sitting in my uh, in my garage, actually. It's uh, PSC Surge. I'm actually selling it. Anybody's listening, I sell it cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a new, I've got a new Matthews. Uh, I got the VXR this past year, and I, I, I'm in love with that thing. The thing shoots so smooth. Yeah. And it's very accurate. Um, so, yeah. It, but, yeah, that, that was my first one. And it's a very good boat. The PSU Surge is a very good boat. Yeah. You're going to have all the Hoyt hate coming at you here. You know, uh, that's fine. You I, talk yeah. about all that. Yeah. Um, you, always, you always hear about, you know, bow, boots, and binos are all you need to get out and hunt. So, what were your first boots? Oh, man. You know, that's a great question. Um, my first ever pair, I think, was a Cabela's brand. Um, I, I don't remember the, the model, but they were they had the like two hundred uh, gram ins, uh, insulate, and they were you know a real heavy boot, mm-hmm. and that's what I used out in Oklahoma. And it, man, um, it's nice to be warm, but when you've got two pound clogs on your feet mm-hmm. trying to pull a deer out out two miles, it, it wears on you, man. So I've learned that lesson. I uh, I'm using these. Uh, I forget the brand name. They're an off-brand, but they're pretty decent. I got them off of Amazon for like 150 bucks. That's what I use now, and they seem to be holding up okay. Um, but, you know, one of these days I'll save up for a, a, a better brand, like a Schnee's or something. But I uh, just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah. A buddy of mine got the Krispies, and he's like, I'm telling you, man, it hurt. But, man, it feels so good <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I like, know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm not that cool. I'm not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> your uh your first hunting truck or vehicle uh so that's the jeep that i have now so uh i call it the burrow mobile it's a 2014 jeep wrangler nice uh, um and i don't think i'll ever get rid of that thing at least nah. i hope not um, not if yeah. all you're gonna do is take it out to unit 21 and beat it up <laughs> that's right that's right yeah that's uh that's my hunting rig yeah your first pack Oh man, um, first serious pack was probably, God, uh, honestly, I don't even remember the brand. I've gone through so many packs over the years. I can tell you on that, that, uh, Oklahoma hunt, um, I was using a redhead pack from, uh, Bass Pro. I don't remember the model, but it was like a $70 pack. It wasn't even, it's not like what you see out here where you've got you know all your gear in there it was just a water bladder type deal and 
had a few other extra odds and ends in there but uh, yeah well it makes sense because uh, you guys were using that cart you know so i guess what yeah. i should have asked you was the first cart brand <laughs> right yeah uh, also from bass pro um, yeah yeah right <laughs> Um, yeah. your, your favorite, uh, uh, favorite Arizona unit to hunt? Oh God. Um, you know, uh, based on what I've seen and I have not hunted obviously all the units, but I had an elk hunt in, um, six a last year. Mm. Mm -hmm. And for now, based on what I've seen, probably that, uh, I really enjoyed my time in six a very diverse, Lots of elk, saw some deer, just beautiful country, big unit. Uh, yeah, that's my vote for now. Yeah, what what forest is that in? I believe it's uh, it's a mix. I think part of it is Prescott, and I think the other part's Coconino. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, because farther over, you're, you, you're getting into the Kaibab, but I don't think it goes that far. I think it goes farther south. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And a close second... Um, would be unit 27 i uh haven't killed anything out there but i, I had a, a very memorable uh deer hunt out there in 2008 2009 just real pretty country i really enjoyed that unit as well yeah good um i'm gonna put you on the spot here so uh, game cameras or no game cameras yeah so i um that's that's quite a controversy these days boy i run game cameras uh you know not as much as maybe some of these guys but i'll i'll have anywhere from six to twelve out at a time different parts of the state and uh i enjoy it it's a good form of exercise it's a good way to get out and uh an excuse to go hike when it's 110 out Mm -hmm. right because i you know i'm not going to do that just for no reason right who does that um yeah. <laughs> if there's a camera on the other end of that hike then yeah it's all worth it yeah um, if there's a chance I, you're going to see get, an animal on your camera it's worth it right 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 i get both sides of it i you know yeah um, there was a, a youtube video or maybe it was a podcast anyway uh the, the uh one of the commissioners and then the kind of the main guy the arizona game and fish was kind of sharing why they were coming up with this legislation and um you know, my suggestion would be if, if they want to uh, limit the disturbance to water, which I understand, water is so scarce, especially this year, mm-hmm. then maybe the, the solution would be to ban cameras on water. Um, I, I don't, I run cameras on water, but I also run cameras um, not on water. And I get, I get animals both ways. So, um, I would hate to see them do an outright ban. I think it's going to really detract from people going out and spending time out in our public lands. Um, but also I, I see the other side of it where, where water is a very big resource. So if I had to, to suggest something, it would say maybe to, to cut back on the, um, on placing cameras on water or maybe just do a season, but to ban them outright, I think is egregious. I don't, believe in that at all i think that's a mistake yeah and there's there's so much nuance there right i mean you could you could get into just the guides and you know they bring the out-of-state hunters who then stimulate the economy by staying and you know bringing family in or whatnot and you know just the the things that they purchase along the way i mean there's just so much to take into account that they're not going to be able to please everybody you know and right you know to your point i mean it's you know, 
ban them from from water, well then everybody's gonna move them back a hundred yards off the water, right? You know, they're gonna be on all yeah. the trails that are coming into the water, which is what you're doing now, which is, you know, kind of what I like to do is just put them in there. But so anyway, we could really get off on that topic. So I'll, oh, <laughs> I'll, yeah. like I said, I'll put you on the spot there. But um, no, it's okay. one one last question here, Frank, and and um, I'll let you get going here. But um, if you had uh, you give a hunter that's been in this game for 10 years and hasn't killed a big game what what advice would you give that that guy or gal um god that's such a loaded question because i, I mean I've, I've been that guy obviously right um mm-hmm. i think um you know it's and, and it t- took me a long time to figure this out it's not always about a successful harvest um you know, there's one thing that a positive thing that uh, I take out of all the years that I spent uh, coming home empty handed is the time out in the woods and, and being out in nature and just seeing places and experiencing little small things that maybe other people don't get the chance to experience. But then also, so I, I think it's important to stay positive, stay hopeful. Um, but also, you know, um, I think it's OK to ask yourself, you know, how serious are you? about hunting like how how much do you want it and and if if it's kind of a casual thing there's nothing wrong with that totally fine um but if you you know if you're a diehard like myself and and sure many of your listeners then i think i would i would suggest to um find a mentor and i've had many over my time hunting and i've learned a lot Mm -hmm. but find someone that's experienced in not only hunting but in the area and the species that you want to hunt, whether it's deer or elk or whatever it is, and and learn from them. You know, ask questions, spend time with them. You know, um, help them on their hunts just to get a feel for what they're doing and to learn some of those tactics. Um, and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. I, you know, um, I've asked many people many questions over my time, and I've learned a lot. And um, you know. It, Never be afraid to do that because it's important to learn uh, from others. I think that's part of hunting is to uh, pick up on these different um, techniques, tactics, whatever you want to call them. And uh, that's what it's about. It's a community. We're here to help each other. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice, man. And, and, you know, I believe your buddy's name in Oklahoma was Richard. Richard Sorrell. That's the guy. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many guys like that, that, you know, that, that I've run into myself that you just been like, you know, who you hunting with? And I'd be like, ah, you know, I'm just up here for the day of myself. And you want to hunt with us? Just, just roll with us, man. And, we, you know, exactly. we're all glass together and kind of learn, you know, that way. So you're absolutely right. And you got to just stay in the game really and, and staying positive. And I think you bring up a good point. You know, how serious are you? Are you, are you a weekend guy? You know, are you, are you scouting the, the area that you're going into before, you know, three weeks before and then the hunt and all that. So, you know, you got to give yourself some leeway, you know, depending on the seriousness of, you know, you, you as a hunter, you know, cause yeah. as you said, it's a commitment, it's a time commitment away from family. It's, it's spending money and, and all that. So, um, I think that's great advice, man. And I think if I could add one more thing, and this is probably sure. part of the reason why it took me so long is, um, you know, let your glass do the walking for you and, and get a tripod. So, you know, I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, mm-hmm. 
get up on a hill. You know, even if you can't afford 15s, you know, not everybody needs Swaros. I, I get it. I mean, you can get uh, decent binoculars nowadays yep. for less than $500 and get a nice, decent tripod for 100 bucks. Just get up on a hill and let the glass tell you where to go. And I spent so many years just wa- literally walking around aimlessly hoping to run into a deer. You know, it, yep. honestly, it, it was super frustrating. And I... Um, that would be my, my one piece of advice as far as equipment. Get, get the best glass you can afford and get a tripod and sit and watch. Yep. I remember my buddy telling me, wear your meat, not your feet. And That's ever right. since he told me that, I'm like, dude, that is so amazing that you told me that. Because like you, I was walking everywhere, man. You know, just bumping into everything. So, um, well, man, I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate you sharing uh, your story. My pleasure. That's cool, man. I it's such a cold frigid day that you could get that kill and um you know for one congrats to you on that deal and um you know i will ask you this so i'm gonna once we get some more podcast this, i'm gonna do a segue into uh my first big miss because we all have a big <laughs> miss and uh, i'd like to have you yeah. back on for that guy oh I, uh, <laughs> don't 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 give it away don't give it away i would love to, to share some of my my sad sob stories with uh, with your listeners. Yeah, well, we'll I find the we'll find the we'll find your biggest miss, and then we'll see where that okay. one is. The one I hurt the most, you know. Okay. We'll we'll roll with that. So, but um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Frank, and again, I want to thank him for coming on. And um, well, until the next time, you guys enjoyed Frank's story and. Um, taking down his four by four buck in uh, Oklahoma. So speaking of things that I think you'll enjoy, um, you know, I think you'll enjoy the ride on optics. So ride on is a grassroots, um, optics company that was started by a husband and wife. And uh, when I tell you grassroots, I mean, it's, uh, it started with sweat and steers, sweat and steers, tears, as you might imagine, uh, any new, um, any new business starts. So, um, give them a look. Uh, right on optics.com uh, they actually just released um, uh, right on uh, revolution uh, you can go on there and see a bunch of videos just different um, you know, just different information on your optics optics can be very confusing at times and um, just getting the right parts um, onto your your rifle your handgun if you're using a prd and mprd or just a, a scope you know um but Ride On is a great company that I've been working with. I'm pro staff member for uh, Ride On, and um, yeah, I really like the um, I really like what I've been working with, and um, they're receptive to their customers, man. So, guys, give it a shot if you'd like, and um, yeah, RideOnOptics.com. And um, last, I'd like to thank um, all the first responders. I'd like to thank military. I'd like to thank um, everybody that keeps us safe, man. Everybody that allows us to do fun things like these and um, that protects our freedoms and day in and day out. So God bless everybody and um, have a good night. We'll see you on uh, episode number two.